things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. Welcome to episode 36 of I Cry in Corners. We are currently in season four and we're talking about the things that are actually a thing. Yep, I'm going to jump right into this because uh, I got a lot to say today. But um, have you guys ever realized, or maybe it's just me, but it feels like the world is just full of things that take my affection, my attention, and my energy. And as a result, uh, again, it may just be me. I get filled with frustration and then my broken parts become more broken. And so because of this and because I'm vastly aware of it, I wanted to write a season um, to bring clarity to the things that actually should uh, have our focus. Um, Because I feel like if we don't know where to focus, our perspectives can get blurred. And then what happens is we live in these corners of life, crying all the time and unable to really navigate them with maturity. Um, So quick recap. The first three episodes of this season, if you're just jumping in, were about a book I just wrote. It's called Nomad. Um, I really want you to listen to the episodes, not because I'm trying to sell the book, but because it is an introduction to how we should live. You know, this life is full of really hard seasons. Um, There's not one of us that's not going to enter into a wilderness type season, but there isn't the ability to walk out life and walk out hard stuff well. And um, so if you've ever been through something hard and you've ever needed help to focus, uh, I did the first three episodes on the book to um, get a better understanding of how you should live. Then episode 34, we talked about love and how love is a thing and how to give it out. Episode 35 was struggle. Struggle is a thing, but we got to know how to navigate it as it really does mold us and make us into who God's called us to be. And then today we're going to talk about covenant. Covenant is a thing, guys. It is, man, it's... It's, it's like a building block to our faith. It's a building block. It's how God functions. And, and if you don't understand covenant and you're not a covenant person, it's going to be real hard to live out um, kingdom principles. I know covenant, um, it's kind of a churchy word. It's kind of an old-fashioned word as a lot of people don't use it. It's a, Maybe even a, uh, some people may say it's an antiquated perspective on relationships and how to navigate them as relationships look real different now um, than they did 20 years ago, that they did 10 years ago, that they did 50 years ago. And um, covenant's a big thing. It's a beautiful word that means more than people give it credit for, and it should be looked at with more reverence. Covenant in the Bible, oh man, there was covenants made in the Bible all the time, uh, with Abraham and his descendants, uh, with Noah and the flood, the Israeli people and their identity, and King David and his legacy, covenant is a <laughs> it's it's a kingdom thing, and it's important that even if we um, uh, if we don't understand it, that we just were able to really just ask God to break it down and what that promise looks like and what's what what does it look like to live in a promise? God sent Jesus to fix the brokenness. Uh, of the covenant so we could experience covenant the way the people in the Bible experience covenant. And so I think it's important to understand it. And that's why I'm talking about it today. See the fruit from our lives. Um, I feel like if we understand covenant, 
we can maybe gain the fruit from our lives like Abraham did. If we understand covenant, we can gain safety and protection like Noah did. If we understand covenant, we'll have a firm identity like the Israeli people were meant to have. And um, and finally, we'll have a kingdom legacy like King David. And I'm all about context. I'm all about living out um my faith so that I can have these things on this side of heaven. See, God is a God of covenant. And when you surrender your life and become like Christ or, or become a Christ follower, I should say, then you become a person of covenant. And that's where we're going to land today. What do people of covenant look like? How do they live their life? And why does it matter anyway? Um, when I think about the word covenant, I think about marriage. My husband and I, we met when we were 14 years old. I kind of stalked him into submission and, uh, but we had a very rocky dating experience, if I'm really honest. And we, um, we dated briefly, uh, after high school, broke up in a pretty messy breakup. And then around 21, something shifted and we both realized we actually really loved each other. And, um, we attempted to date again, but within like like eight weeks, we were straight up engaged to be married. And then three weeks later, we broke up. So we were like madly in love. But we had a lot of things to work through. So for like four months, we didn't speak. And we were both pretty wrecked by it. Long story short, uh, I wasn't ready to fully sacrifice some things. And by sacrifice some things, uh, I wasn't ready to really one, I didn't understand covenant. And I didn't understand what I was going to have to give up. And then I was faced with (laughs) having to really uh, lay down some things. And to be honest with you, I wasn't ready. Um, for example, I wasn't ready to move away from my parents. It was very close to my family. Uh, he wasn't asking me to move away anywhere, but I just immediately was like, I can't move away from anything. I have to constantly be here. And, um, I wasn't ready to join our finances, uh, even though he wasn't asking me to do that. I, I wasn't ready to give away that freedom of being able to do whatever I wanted. And I wasn't ready to follow him or his decisions as I had massive trust issues. Why am I sharing this now after 50 plus years of marriage? Just kidding. 15 plus years of marriage. Well, because I wanted all the sexy pluses of covenant, but not the restrictions. That's a real honest. Um, I didn't want the changes. I didn't want the surrender. I didn't want the, what, it, what the unity was going to actually mean for me. I didn't, I didn't want any of that, to be honest with you. I just wanted all the fun stuff that they said marriage had. And, um, yeah, it was a rough four months for everyone. But after a few months, I realized I was being ridiculous and the life without him uh, wouldn't be worth it. Uh, so I let go of my fears. I learned to trust and I chose to allow our relationship and our journey to shape me. And now 15 years later, next to Jesus, uh, it was the best decision I ever made. And when I think about covenant, I immediately think of marriage as there is a joining and a surrender that has to happen for covenant and marriage uh, to actually happen. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, they would break, uh, they would uh, like sacrifice animals and they would like cut them in half and then walk between them. And they would walk between them and be like, whoever breaks his covenant, this is going to happen to them. I know, really intense. So that's not what happened on my wedding day. It wasn't like cutting of animals, but it was still the same principle, I guess, because covenant is so intenso and it was so intenso back then. Nowadays, we just push the sanctity of the word out the door and we don't really apply it in the same way, which makes me kind of sad because the experience, the goodness and the growth of covenant, it's what you want. We find this type of goodness and growth throughout the Bible and throughout many stories. I'm going to read a very brief one today, and then I'm going to just share with you the way I feel like God gave it to me. And at this point in the story, if we're going to jump into Deuteronomy, that's where I'm at, Deuteronomy 7. At this point in the story, um, 
The Israelites are being called to eliminate all elements of pagan worship as they are surrounded by pagans and God is calling them to a lifestyle that is set apart. See, that's what covenant does. It draws you near. And so we find the Israelites in Deuteronomy, God is drawing them near. He's drawing them to be set apart as his. As I said earlier in this podcast, that covenant, like the Israeli people, it gave them a really firm identity because they were God's people. And covenant, what it does is it sets us apart, like we're God's people. And so I jump back in. Moses is saying, remember, you're a people set apart for the eternal, your God. He is your God. And he's chosen you to be his own possession, his special people. Out of all the peoples on the earth, the eternal didn't become devoted to you and choose you because you were the most numerous of all peoples. In fact, you were the least. Instead, he brought you out of Egypt with overwhelming power and liberated you from slavery to Pharaoh, uh, the king, because he loved you and was keeping an oath he swore to your ancestors. So it's like he made a covenant with them because he had made a covenant before. And just like the Israelis, you, my friend, have a covenantal God who desperately wants to rescue you from uh, your own personal Egypt, the things that enslave you, and, and he wants to give you a legacy that will affect your children's children. I know that sounds old school, but old school works. And um, I don't know, when I think of covenant, you, just like me, before I said yes to my husband and before I said yes to Jesus, if you're going to say yes to covenant, if you're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to be your people. I'm going to let you to walk me out of Egypt situations. I'm going to let you liberate me from the slavery of my brokenness and I'm going to live for you. Then you've got to do what I wasn't ready to do when I first got married, which is be ready to move, be ready to surrender and be ready to follow. See, the Israelites have to move out of Egypt, surrender all they've known and follow Moses into a wilderness before they get their promise. And I had to move out of my parents' home, surrender what I thought life would look like, and choose to follow my husband into the next season. And those three things aren't easy, but they're attached to covenant. If you want to be a covenant person, then you have to do them. Okay, practically speaking, uh, let's break this down, because I really want you to get this whole covenant thing. Because I don't know, um, but if you don't get it, you'll become like a crazy recluse, unabomber, angry in a corner, living somewhere, just unable to have relationships because you don't understand covenant. See, covenant doesn't just affect marriages. It affects um, how you have relationships, how, how you treat your family, um, because people of covenant understand that what they're doing now is going to affect their tomorrow. I want you to write these down uh, because it's important. Uh, first things first, covenant people are ready to move. So I'm going to give you three things that covenant people are, and then I'm going to try to explain them the way I felt like God gave it to me. So when I say you're ready to move, I'm not referencing moving jobs, cities, although that may happen. It's it's happened before. And I mean, being so in tune with what God is doing and saying that you're always in a ready position to move on his behalf. See, covenant people hear God, and when they put that hearing into action, they hear his voice, and as a result, they move to love, uh, move to help, move to give, uh, they move to be light in dark places, and it's in the moving that saves lives. See, I think covenant people, when I say they're ready to move, they're interruptible. They're okay with their day being a little jacked up if something happens, if they see somebody. Um, it's like, I, uh, lately I've been reading a lot about the Good Samaritan. It's They're not worried about being late somewhere because they have to help somebody else. And they're not worried of what it's going to cost them because they're ready to move at any point to move uh, because God's speaking to them. Look, I haven't always done this well. I, I'm pretty sure I've told the story somewhere in these podcasts of that one time there was a homeless lady and God told me to give her my coffee and I literally drove off and did not do that. Yeah, super embarrassing. I don't remember which podcast it was, but 
Anyways, I haven't always done this well, but when I do do this, it really does shape me as, and I'm, I'm not only giving of myself to what God is doing and what God is doing on the earth, but I'm giving up my time. And see, time is our only currency on this earth. It's all, it's all we have. And if you can give up your time and be ready to move and be interruptible, then you can love, help, and give and, and do so many more things for God. When I was a kid, I almost drowned. Random story that I'm going to tell you that made me think of that. Anyways, when I was a kid, I almost drowned. Um, I had a really bad water stories. But during this incident, I ventured out onto a uh, diving board that I was told not to go on. And uh, of course, I slipped and ended up in the deep end without the skills I needed on the end of the pool. I remember screaming and before I knew it, my dad had jumped in the water and pulled me out. It happened so fast that I can I like I was barely sinking by the time he got to me and I always think of that story when I think of my relationship with my heavenly father as my um man as my voice and my struggle his love for me caused my dad to save me so the minute he heard my voice the minute he heard my struggle he jumped in to save me and the same thing it was with Jesus he heard my voice he heard my struggle and he jumped in to save me so because I know this because I know what love does and how love saves it moves me to be help it moves me to be love it moves me to give of my time and myself it moves I, I, it's like it's easy for me to move on God's behalf because I know that covenant people move because I know that he moved for me I was talking to somebody recently and uh, about what it looks like to follow Christ and how you can believe in him and you can love him, but you can still choose not to live for him. And sadly, um, love choose if you really love him, you'll live for him. And so covenant people understand this covenant people put into action their love and they move on his behalf. Covenant people move. The second thing is that covenant people are surrendered. Surrendered um, doesn't mean weak. Or like uh, they let people walk over them. It means they move when God speaks and they take a step back when needed. So if people, if I say uh, covenant people move, um, covenant people know when to take a step back. They know when to be silent. Uh, They know when God is moving and they need to just take a step back. And when you're in covenant with people, when you're in covenant with God, it looks different in your life. You say yes to things you don't normally like. You do things out of your comfort zone. You uh, let people win, man, because you're not living your life so that you can be recognized. You're living your life so Jesus can be recognized. And people who are walking in covenant relationships with the creator, people who uh, demonstrate loyalty to King Jesus live surrendered and they do so by ingesting life, speaking life and cultivating life. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Uh, People that demonstrate loyalty to King Jesus, people who are in covenant relationship with the creator, they ingest life, they speak life and they cultivate life. And what I mean by ingesting life, um, if you're wondering what it means, it means that what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, what you look at is life giving. It builds the kingdom. It builds the kingdom within you. And it stirs up the Holy Spirit within you. It's not something that you end up being obsessive over or something that you can't process with maturity. Uh, Speaking life, which means you don't just speak about the problems you see, but instead bring kingdom solutions to life's hiccups and people problems. This means you're a give to people and you're not an ask. It means that, an ask, not, not the other one. It means when you walk into rooms, people feel happy and not like they have to brace themselves for impact. 
These are important, the ingesting life and the speaking life, because uh, uh, I work in a creative field, so you always have to bring creative solutions. Sometimes creatives, people will tell us stuff or ask stuff stuff of us, and we're like, that's not going to work. And uh, I had to learn very early on that if I say it's not going to work, I better have three or four solutions of how to make it work. That's why you have to cultivate life. And by life, I mean love because love is a thing and thing that gets blurred by struggle and that gets dumped down because covenant isn't understood or embraced. Oh, ooh, you see how these three episodes just fit together? Oh my God, that's amazing. So like love is a thing. Love is a thing that gets blurred if you don't understand struggle. And if you don't understand struggle, you won't be able to be a covenant person as love, struggle and covenant. They are things. And so you need to be a person that is ingesting, speaking, and cultivating life. And you do that because you're surrendered to God. You do that because you know that he jumped in a pool to save your life when you didn't have the skills to swim in the deep end. You do those things because you're in covenant. You do those things because you're in love. And love moves you to follow. Love moves you to action. I always say that Peter didn't, you know, Peter following Jesus um, after he got arrested, it wasn't because he was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to Jesus. You got no love kept him following love. Love kept him pursuing love. Um, gosh, even though he fell apart when he denied Christ, love kept him following. Love is what pushes you forward. But if you don't understand those things, you won't be surrendered. You won't uh, move forward. You won't even um, follow. And that's the third thing. Covenant people follow. So the first one was covenant people are ready to move. Covenant people are surrendered. And thirdly, covenant people follow. Some of you are like, what the heck does any of this have to do with covenant? Covenant isn't, I thought it was a promise. Uh, Covenant isn't just a kingdom thing you have to embrace. It's everything. I always say context is everything, but this is pretty much everything as well. It's the way God operates. It's how he bestows favor and legacy upon his kids. And being in covenant and living out the covenant has the power to change everything. It's not some weird, old, old-fashioned thing. Covenant is a thing. Uh, we don't look at covenant anymore because we have relationships and we break up with relationships and then we get back with relationships. We live with people that we're not in covenant with. We have sex with people that we're not in covenant with. And then we have fake covenants and fake relationships and this bestie and this. We don't even we don't even love the same way. We were not created to have a one-night stands. We were not crea- created to have one-night stand friendships. We're not created to have fake social friends. We're meant to be in covenant with people, to love people, to understand people, to move on people's behalf, to um, do oh, to ingest and speak and cultivate life through people and in people and around people through everything that God is calling us to do. That's what we're really truly meant to live out, but we don't do that because covenant is not mm, covenant's not looked at anymore like a like a thing, but it is a thing. And that's why covenant people follow, because they know following Jesus and really living and loving like Jesus, it changes people and it changes circumstances. Because a covenant person doesn't make you religious, it makes you obedient, and it makes you surrendered and ready to listen and ready to follow. Covenant does not make you religious, it makes you obedient. Guys, covenant builds you up, it shapes you, it teaches you how not to be a selfish person. That's why I say covenant people move. It's a thing that's super important. I need you to understand as we head into this next week to get ready because there are more things I'm going to break down in these next few weeks in it. You've got to be mature enough to understand it and how they all tie in together. 
as love ties into understanding struggle and being able to navigate struggle and understanding that it builds your endurance will make you even more of a covenant person because the things that you, um, Mm, the things you encounter with the people that you love, you won't jump ship. You'll stay because you're covenant and that's who you are. And promises won't just be words. They'll be the way that you live. It's important that we understand this because it could change everything. Okay. Let me try to land this plane. Uh, covenant is important and I need you to understand it. Make sure you're, uh, make sure you're looking at your life and realizing if you're cu cultivating the right things. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're surrendered. Make sure you're moving on his behalf because you are a covenant person called to be in covenant with your creator. Um, yeah. Okay. That's really all I got. Uh, make sure you're following me on social, sharing your big takeaways on the podcast. And if you're near a city I'll be in, please come see me. I'd love to see your faces and chat through... I don't know, stuff. And, uh, oh, if you haven't bought the book, it's on Amazon. Make sure you grab one and then, um, please leave me a review and, um, that's it. All right, guys, be covenant people because that's who we're called to be. Um, come on. I believe in you. You've got this. It doesn't need to be easy, but it will be worth it. Love you, weirdos.